Welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, co-host, sitting across from Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. How you doing today, Kurt? Doing great, man. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good seeing you as well. And uh, for those of you who have never heard this show, maybe you're tuning in for the first time, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. This is a show for men, by men, not exclusively for men. Ladies listen, and we welcome the ladies as well, but we want to talk to guys primarily. So we're a show, just want to talk to guys about stuff that guys don't talk about enough, maybe, about being a dad, being a husband, walking with God, you know. Light stuff like that. Light and fluffy material. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're going to have, uh, we got all of our history of, of all of our past shows. If somebody wants to hear all podcasts, if you just want to go through our podcast list, poke on one and just listen to it, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. You can go to our Facebook tip page and you can see upcoming shows and then all of our past shows. That's facebook.com forward slash Solid Steps Radio. You can go to iTunes and just look up Solid Steps Radio. Uh, you can go to soundcloud.com and look up Solid Steps Radio, or you can just go to furtherstillministries.org and you can click on the microphone and listen to our show. So we're going to have a really cool show today. This is and a great show today. Yeah, man. we've got a room full of people, which always makes for either a really good show or a lot of noise. Either, no, either way, it's oh, both, man, right? This, no, this is going to be a great show. Which is good. So uh, we got enough microphones, we think, uh, to go around. So, <laughs> But uh, we're going to have a great show today. And, and for those of you who are listening, you know, like, oh, this is a a show about churchy stuff. And you know what? Yeah, we talk about God and we talk about things of life. Uh, but today we're going to talk about some of the areas of life that maybe you don't hear, people don't like to talk about a lot. You know, people who have been incarcerated. And, and Jesus said, you loved me when, when I was, you came to visit me in prison. You know, he told his exactly followers. Right. And I think that's one of the aspects and areas of life that I think a lot of believers just, that doesn't hit the radar. And that people are in prison are forgotten by us, but they're not forgotten by God. Absolutely, and you know, that God has a heart for those in prison, and uh, so it's it's a great delight to have you guys with us today. And uh, Daryl uh, Daryl Davis, welcome to uh, the show. Thank you, Kurt. It's great to have you been on. You've been on the, in the past, and it's great to have you back. And uh, so we we want to hear what's going on with your life and ministry. Um, you've got a guest, uh, Derek. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kurt. It's uh, it's great to have you here with us, and uh, just thrilled thrilled to have you. And then we got Mike and Angie, a couple, and uh, we're we're gonna hear some crazy stuff that they're gonna do later <laughs> on the show. I mean, they they got to be out of their mind what they're gonna be doing. Um, we're gonna but, uh, we get a little teaser. Why don't we tell everybody what they're doing? Just a little tease. You wanna okay. Do that? Yeah. Go ahead. So they're gonna be starting on the West Coast, and they're gonna be riding a bike to the East Coast in less than two months. Uh, that's called craziness. Yeah, and we're gonna hear more about that here later on in the last segment. <laughs> so, uh, Mike and Angie, welcome. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's, it's really thrilled to have you, and we wanna hear all about how you're gonna be sore and stiff after 50 days of biking straight. I don't know how you do that across the country. You gotta be, and it's, it's cool that you're a married couple doing this together. I mean, that's, is that romantic or what? <laughs> I don't know what that is. We're, we're going to be on a tandem bike, too. This is not uh, single yeah. bikes. This no, is a tandem bike. To tell you that, Kurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> and, and it's less than two weeks. It's two, in it's in less than two weeks? Two weeks. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. So, you know, I'm just fascinated by how all this is. Do you guys ever fight? Never. <laughs> no. No. They None will. Of, they will on this fifty days. <laughs> not on a tandem bike. Never. Depends on who's pedaling. 
I'm always in control. Uh, oh, there we go. He must be in the back of the bike. <laughs> he thinks he is, right? She told him that. <laughs> Get in the back, honey. That's where the people are in control are. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, the details of that in a little bit. But, Daryl, this all started... Uh, you you have a ministry called Proclamation of the Word Ministry, but it really started way way back. How many years ago? When you uh, you know you were in you were in darkness. Uh, talk about that just a little bit. Well, <clears throat> I come from the streets of Portland, West End of Louisville, where I kind of cut my teeth on perversion and drugs and poverty and crime. Um, Somewhere along the way, uh, 16 years old, I was out on the streets of my own. Uh, my dad had kicked me out, began uh, living in a car, working a job, slowly but surely trying to uh, gain some momentum in life. At age 18, I got married, pretty young age, and uh, married up, if you will. Very nice girl, educated from a good end of town. And I'm thinking, man, what in the world is she doing with me? <laughs> mm. But um, we married, and... Uh, I said to myself, you know, it's funny too, Kurt, <clears throat> you can resolve, you can make a resolve all you want, but until the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you really can't make that resolve. It's more like Kentucky weather, it changes really quick. <laughs> and so, uh, but I made this resolve to put all the things behind me because she was worth doing right. And uh, the one, and I did put a lot of friends, a lot of bad things behind my life uh, at that point in time. But the one thing I carried into that marriage was a very insatiable appetite for drugs and uh, just really couldn't let go of that. And so uh, lived as a functioning drug addict, if you will. I know that's a paradox, but I did for several years. I started a business, uh, a moving company, and uh, obtained some really good contracts and began to make great money. We had nice things. Slowly but surely throughout the years, we began to, uh, to increase. Um, our relations seemed to be pretty good. I raised her daughter from 6 to 16, a great little girl named Angela. Um, but... My drug consumption increased over the years, and it got to the point where it was unmanageable. And uh, so I couldn't hide the money. My first wife, uh, Karen, was a uh, was the micromanager of our finances, so she did really well there. So I brought the money home knowing that I was not a good financial manager and laid it down before her and let her manage. And uh, But it got to the point where I couldn't account for the money that was missing from my drugs. So I went back to dealing drugs and uh, moving quantities of drugs that was a way I could pay for my drugs and the money could still come into the household. And, and she doesn't know anything about it. She had no idea. I think she knew, always knew that I was, uh, that I, I played with drugs. And of course she saw things throughout the years, but she had no extent to what, uh, the level, yeah, the level of addiction I, I had been dealing with. And so on April 26, 1988, a drug deal gone bad. I killed a man, um, stabbed him 22 times. Got stabbed three times myself. We went through a picture glass window, landed outside, and I left the scene of the crime. Uh, an absolute horror show and bloodbath. It was a nightmare. Uh, went to the hospital, was stitched up, and um, hid the weapons, cleaned the car up, made my way home several hours later to find a couple Crown Vicks in my driveway waiting for me and detectives, and I was arrested. I would remain in jail for 10 days. Um, went before a judge, and she cut my bond. Uh, to a lower amount. Uh, the first, it was 50000 full cash. And so I was able to get out and stay out for two years. In that two-year time in 1989, um, I was home alone. I was renting in Louisville here, an apartment. I had already sold my business, filed Chapter 13, sold my home to pay my attorneys, and uh, was renting um, here in Louisville 
was home alone and high, sitting in a room. Uh, being very unchurched, I, it was a foreign thing to me what was happening, but uh, just looking back in retrospect, I, the Holy Spirit had come down and, and just reached into my life. My sister had been saved uh, a couple years prior to that, and I was around her from time to time, and she, I heard her talking about Jesus. Um, we had never heard the name Jesus when I was growing up. We didn't know anything about all that, and uh, nor had I ever seen a Bible. I was saved on July 12th of 1989. Fell out of a recliner on my knees and uh, cried convulsively from the very core of my being. Now, that, now that, that's in connection with your sister and, and just her talking about Jesus and, and you recognizing you need a Savior. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I could say that I really recognized that I needed a Savior. Um, and that's the, the really precarious part of this whole story. All I know, Kurt, is that I was high and some very foreign, uh, in, something just descended upon me. And all I could do was slither out of the recliner, get on my knees and cry. And in the midst of that crying, um, the name Jesus came to me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus was my best prayer. That's all mm. I knew to pray. Uh, By the way, that's a great prayer. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, it worked. <laughs> it worked. But that's but, but but then kind of fast forward because then you're convicted. Correct. Very very much so. In 1990, I um, went to a three week grand jury trial. At the end of that, the verdict was guilty of wanton murder, and I was sentenced to 35 year sentence. Um, I remember uh, after I was saved in '89, I was uh, working on a car and I found the first Bible I ever laid eyes on a small Gideon's Bible. And I flipped through it, and I went to First Corinthians 13, and I'll never forget the scripture I first saw. It said, when I was a child, I thought like a child and reasoned like a child. When I grew up, I put childish things behind me. And I'll never forget the impact that that scripture had in my life. Mm-hmm. From there, I snuck around and read scripture after scripture and began to kind of understand some things or learn some things. Um, after I was sentenced, um, my attorneys had assured me that I'd be able to stay out on bond for um, the duration of my appeal. Uh, the judge had uh, no reason to do that. He brought me straight into custody on that day. And it's, it's, I remember after I was saved about six months, I remember getting on my knees and asking the Lord, very immature prayer. I said, Lord, would you make a way for me not to go to prison? I have no idea how I knew God that was sovereign enough to answer that prayer, but I, that's what I prayed. Mm. And when I got off of the floor, it was, it was, it was like, you know, how the Holy Spirit speaks to you as a knowingness within. I knew exactly what my destiny was. No matter what I had paid my attorneys, I knew that I was going to prison. And that's where God was going to grow me up. And so, uh, indeed, I did. So I entered into Kentucky State Reformatory, um, kind of hit the ground running, and met Chaplain James Dent. I'll never forget him. He was the uh, chaplain there who kind of took me under his wing and began discipling me. And I got a job as chapel clerk. It was interesting how God uses some of these things because uh, when you're a chapel clerk in an institution, other inmates come to you thinking that you have some knowledge and you know the Bible and you might be able to disciple them or help them. And so as a brand new Christian, not knowing much, I had all these guys coming to me. So it was kind of a thing that forged, if you will, my search in the scriptures and getting to uh, familiar with uh, um, an interlinear and lexicon and, and concordance and vines and some of those tools that I begin to work with and educate myself with. But every night in prison, they have a different service. And so I was there when the door opened for the first three years. I didn't care what kind of service it was. I was there. <laughs> wow. So we, um, we're going to take a break right there. We're going to come back in the next segment and, and, and talk more about how God really grew you and developed you, matured you in the prison. All right, so we'll take a break. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. We'll be back shortly. 
Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell. I'm here with Kurt Souter, and we got a room full of folks here. Can't wait to hear more about uh, the stories we've got uh, today with Daryl Davis, uh, who's with uh, Proclamation of the Word of Ministry, and he just shared in the last segment, if you're just joining us, about uh, he's, he's in prison. He's not in prison right now. He's sitting next to me. But he was in prison uh, for uh, wanton, wanton and Wanton murder. Wanton murder, okay. Uh, and that was years ago, and uh, he had a life of drugs and crime, and we just left him in the last segment about he just entered into prison and uh, for the beginning of a 22-year sentence. And we talk a little bit about what God did while he was in there. So, so Daryl, you've been you've been in prison now. You've been the the chaplain is beginning to disciple. You already are a Christian, but you you're very young and immature. You don't know much about the Bible. What? How, how did you begin to gravitate towards Scripture and begin to be changed? Well, that's a good question, Kurt. You know, God and His sovereignty, the way He shapes and molds things, circumstances in your life, it's amazing. Um, throughout the years, I was incarcerated there. Again, I was working as chapel clerk, so a lot of guys came to me uh, looking for answers, looking for how, to, how, do you, how do you find this scripture? What's this scripture say about divorce? What's this say? And so I was kind of forced to, to grow and uh, educate and learn some things. From there, uh, uh, the doors opened through the chaplain some late, years later uh, to teach a discipleship class. And uh, I, I was able to glean enough knowledge to be able to do simple things. Had guys share testimonies and various things, and so that worked out really well. Um, I came to prison with one fear, and that was that I would leave the same way I came in. Mm. And so God used that fear uh, to motivate me to uh, to. I came in with a tenth grade education to get a GED. I was I went on to get an associate's degree, a bachelor's in theology, a master's in divinity, and so. Uh, those were a lot of years of investment. Um, so in 22 years, you finished and you got your GED, then you got your undergrad, and then you got an MDiv. Correct. Which is, uh, MDivs is 90, what is it, 90 hours? 90 hours, is correct. Of uh, graduate work. Yeah. Uh, that, um, and so when, did you have that as a goal kind of at the beginning, you, th- you think? Or? Uh, not at all. Not at all. I remember when guys came to me and said, you know, you really ought to consider uh, getting an associate's degree uh, after I got my GED. And I said, I'm not college material, my friend. <laughs> Just not. I'm not that smart. <laughs> and I never would have believed in a million years that I would see the mile marker of an associate's degree, let alone a bachelor's in theology or a master's in divinity. That's... Um, just unbelievable. That's re- that's remarkable. And so God really, as as you take one step at a time, you continue to grow, continue to mature. Now you still had responsibilities in the prison. You still got to do all the stuff that you got to do. Describe that just a little bit. A kind of a daily routine of prison life. Well, you're required to keep a job. It doesn't mean you you have to. Uh, it is a requisite, but uh, some guys don't. Most guys don't, in fact. But uh, I I almost always had a job, an eight-hour-a-day job, and so uh, and worked college in the evenings. Um, we always went to the chapel each night. I was always in a worship team. I played bass and loved music, and so I was always a part of that. So it's a very active life. Prison is as busy as you want to be or as, as lax as you want to be. And so I chose to stay busy. Um, always had opportunity to read guy, uh, letters for guys that were illiterate, write letters for guys that were illiterate, counsel with men, pray with men, just just do the work of the Lord. And so it was great opportunities. We uh, we had evangelism explosion come in, and so I became a, a senior trainer in that. And so I turned and uh, worked with guys and, and taught them how to go out and disciple. And it was amazing watching the guys work. I'm just blown away. You're in prison for 22 plus years. 
and you go in broken, destitute, um, saved, but I mean, you're going to be in there for decades, you know, and, and God transformed you. I I remember when we met 16 (laughs) years ago and I, I, I remember going home and, and telling Kristen, my wife, and, and said, honey, you will not believe who I just met. This guy is, is he's like really serious. I mean, he is, I, I made this comment. I said, he is more free than many people that I know who are walking around outside of prison. He is in prison and he has more freedom than many people who are outside. I, I just saw this life in you in the midst of um, this prison life. I remember that time as well, Kurt, and uh, I was just talking about that just recently and, and uh, pulling out an old picture I found of you and I. We took a picture that day, <laughs> but, but you were, t- you were uh, conducting a men's group, and uh, I read some of your articles, and I, I wrote the letter to you and asked you if you would come out and kick off our accountability groups. We were kicking off accountabilities. We were setting up accountability groups with men, and uh, I remember you coming out and doing a, um, an amazing discourse for us, and uh, oh. from that day on, we, did, we always had accountability groups. Uh, operating within the prison groups of threes. Do you know what a thrill it is to, to have you in the radio uh, studio in here and uh, just seeing how God has worked and moved in your life? It's it's quite remarkable. He's been amazing. Yeah. Well, and you have followed him. And uh, it's the grace of God, but, you know, we have to, we have to cooperate with him. And right. you have cooperated with him. And it's cool. And so now you're out, outside prison, and God has laid this ministry on, on you know, before you, proclamation of the word. Talk about that just a little bit. Well, years before I got out of prison, <clears throat> I remember um, the name. Uh, it, just, it just came to me, proclamation of the word. And I thought that would be, really be a cool name for a ministry. And I thought, I wonder if it's taken. <laughs> and so I thought, I'm going to use that one day. And so um, I began to put out, I was writing a newsletter for a church for quite some time, an outside church. And so I began to call it Proclamation of the Word. And so um, when I transitioned out of prison in 2012, I went to work bivocationally for three years and praying, uh, working full-time ministry and, and driving a truck in J-Town and doing maintenance at a company. And so uh, I got out March 1st, 2012. Exactly three years later, on March 1st, 2015, we were able to launch into full-time ministry. And uh, of course, in 13, I licensed it as a 501c3 nonprofit. And we've hit the ground running since. And you you talk about what you do, kind of a week in and week out, what, what you do as a ministry. Well, our ministry is very multifaceted. We do pre-incarceration mentoring. Uh, in other words, people who are out on bond or HIP, home incarceration placement, we work with them and the families. And that's the beauty of our ministry. It comes with a prefab platform right into families' lives. So when we get a mentee, we get a, a, immediately get into the families' lives as well. So what a privilege. Uh, the next phase is uh, incarceration mentoring. We mentor those who are, are presently incarcerated. And because I was in prison and watching men come and go without educating, uh, we're pretty stringent in our requisites. We require our, our mentees to do a GED, a life skills, one two-year vocation, and strive towards spiritual excellence, be accountable to their mentor, and uh, do uh, Bible studies. We get them a seminary-level Bible study to do. And so, and then the next phase, which is pre, uh, post-incarceration integration, we, uh, when they put skin on it while they're there, we put skin on it when they come out. We get them a cell phone for potential employer callback. We get them housing. Uh, we try to get them jobs and uh, get them clothes. And we get them plugged into um, um, cars, 
a goodwill of cars to work when we can. We do a family uh, support group of those incarcerated once a week. Uh, and uh, on 2000, our 2016 rollout was two-pronged. We are working with parents of the one left behind. Mm. So we have a parenting class called Water from the Well, and we have a children's ministry called Children's Bread. And so uh, we are just completing our first class, uh, spearheaded by Dr. Ella Brenner, uh, a volunteer psychologist that we had come on board our ministry. And it's, it's went well. It's went well. So we, we cover every gamut of the incarceration piece. That's, that's a beautiful thing. And you've got right next to you a guy that you have been doing uh, you know, ministry with. Derek, uh, how did you get connected to this ministry? I, um, I got connected through um, I had written letters. I had written letters to Southeast Christian Church and uh, several other churches during my incarceration period. And um, the only one that I got back was a referral to the Proclamation of the Words Ministries with Daryl Davis. And uh, I was so excited because for the years of my stay in prison, I I studied the Bible daily. I I really wanted to change my life. I was born and raised as a Christian, and uh, I strayed away from it and got involved in drugs and ended up in prison as well. And uh, once I got in contact with Daryl, it seemed like we really knew mm. what each other was going through. It was a, it was it was like a friendship from the start uh, that God had molded together. Uh, I was in Fulton County Detention Center when I first started speaking with him, and then they moved me to Lagrange, uh, which is a state reformatory, and uh, I continued to talk with Daryl, and he continued to mentor me through the things that I was going through at the time. I had suffered some grave losses in my family, and um, I was really struggling with it. Um, but the peace that God gave me in my heart outweighs anything that I could ever imagine. I prayed for God to take the want away from me of wanting to use drugs and the anger in my heart away from me. Um, and today, I couldn't make it come back if I wanted to. Mm. Uh, and there's just there's no possible way. The um, my grandmother just passed away this past weekend, and I was able to stand over her with the peace in my heart that I knew that she was okay and I knew where she was going to. Um, and before I would have used that as a a way to escape out and and use drugs and uh, and I thank God for that. It never crossed my mind. It wow. never did. And uh, Daryl and I, we stay in contact with each other almost daily. Uh, the ministry is unbelievable and how it helps not only me, but others. And uh, I really look forward to continue to reach out with Daryl. And, 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 and we're going to take a break right now. And uh, we're, we're going to come back to that of how you want to partner and how, how, how God specifically use Daryl and this ministry to encourage you. So we'll take a break. We want to thank our sponsors, Ellen and Credit Union and Carol Rogers Carpet One for sponsoring our show. So stay tuned. We're going to bring, come back with Daryl, uh, with Derek, and we're going to hear later on from Mike and Angie about their cross-country bicycle trip on Solid Steps Radio.